Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures, as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 14, Nightmare, premiered on February 7th, 2006, directed by Philip Screechia, and written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker. We are Natural Natural Friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, Sam has a secret dream in which he witnesses a man die under mysterious circumstances. It was ruled a suicide, but Sam suspects otherwise, especially when the victim's brother dies under similar circumstances. It turns out Sam was connected to the telekinetic murderer, whose mother also died in a fire, pinned to the ceiling when he was a baby. So our first death that we get to see at the beginning happened from carbon monoxide poisoning from a car running inside a garage. And I thought it happened very quickly. Mm -hmm. But do you guys know how long it actually takes for like um, carbon monoxide to build the dangerous levels in a garage? I thought it'd be minimum 30 minutes or something crazy. Bruce, do you have a guess? it was more realistic maybe he didn't die right away but passing out would have happened that quickly almost yeah it only takes two minutes for carbon monoxide to build the dangerous levels inside a garage um so normally around that two to three minutes you're going to pass out and then um i think it was around eight minutes it builds to lethal levels so it, it felt off but in reality it's one of their most realistic deaths like unlike the shower death or what was the other one? Oh, the the, the bugs. Any of the bugs deaths. I mean, um, when we watched 93 people die in a plane crash, that one was pretty realistic. That but... was pretty realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, this one's on par. I thought that um, the car itself was going after um, the guy. Um, I don't know. I thought well, we were going to have Here a... we go again. <laughs> Another haunted vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even oh, we didn't even put that together. Um, but yeah, like last week, I thought the car itself was uh, going after him. I thought it was going to be more of a uh, uh, what's that Stephen King movie book? Cujo. The car, <laughs> <laughs> the car um, one. Stephen, anyway, a car one. There's a Stephen King what? movie where the car kills people. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's a oh, man, we'll, we'll get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pet cemetery. No, it's it's uh, a <laughs> isn't it it's like a woman's name? Yeah, it's embarrassing. I feel like you should know this. Um, Christine. Ah, damn it! <laughs> yep. I've Christine. never even heard of it. I can't believe. Anywho, I thought we were gonna have a sort of a Christine type uh, episode where the car was killing people, um, but it turns out that is was not the case. I didn't remember. A whole lot of the opening of this episode so i was trying to pay attention to like all the small details like okay why are we focusing on this license plate okay we're in michigan right now 
Um, oh, there's a jet ski in the garage. All right, what else is going on? And then the, the show really focused on that license plate. So I tried memorizing the license plate number and see if it was going to connect to anything else. And nah, it just turned out so Sam would know where to go. I definitely wrote down the license plate too because I was like that. That's gonna be something. That's gonna mean something. I mean, and in fairness, it was something, but <laughs> nothing we needed to focus on. I I barely caught a glimpse of the license plate, like just quick enough for me to realize, like, oh, they're focusing on it. And uh, I saw like the first three letters and didn't have time, but I did not write it down. I did not make a point of attempting to remember it because I knew. The show would guide me there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get there eventually. It's <laughs> like when I, I knew, I was like, if they bring up a license plate again, I'm just going to trust that it's the correct one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this license plate leads our boys to a real town for once. Saginaw, Michigan. So good for you, Greg, for being able to <laughs> reference a real town on the map this week. While they're in the car driving to Michigan, you definitely start to get the sense of Dean being a little freaked out by Sam. Kind of rightfully so, because Sam's a little frantic and just kind of yelling to drive. And um, But you, you really start to get the sense that Dean's a little scared. And there's multiple times where they talk about it during the episode. And Dean just kind of shrugs it off, tries to hide it, um, trying to be the good big brother and not let his little brother know that he's worried. But then he does the, you know, the look back and lets you know, lets the camera know that he's actually a little, little freaked out by what's going on. Yeah, the first time they talk about it, um, he, if he was trying to do a good job at hiding his fear, um, he didn't do very well because <laughs> it took him about what, uh, like five seconds to answer his question. <laughs> uh huh. Are you nervous? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dean ends up having what might be their best idea for an alias yet to interact with the family after the death. Fathers. Oh, I thought you were a specific name. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they introduce themselves as Father Simmons and Father Freely, which is a reference to the band Kiss members Gene Simmons and Ace Freely. Ooh. Yeah. See, I didn't even catch that. I was like, I, I usually like when they say the names, I'm very like attuned to like, oh, that's going to be something. But for some reason, because it wasn't a full name, I like <laughs> didn't even like process it. Like it was just like they just casually mentioned it. Mm-hmm. I love just in general, the banter as priest was fantastic. Whenever Sam had to tell Dean to tone it down. <laughs> awesome. I am not a religious man. But in this scenario, I really got the impression of like they're posing as priests and they pose as priests and just interrogate the victims. Like they they don't really do much that I think a priest would do of like consoling and stuff. And for the sake of um, efficiency, it's nice that you don't have to like show all that. But it just it just looks like these priests show up, ask a bunch of questions and leave multiple times. Yep. It is weird. Like, why, why do you think that was their go-to? Um, why not the police? Why not the, I don't know, what other five million disguises we've used already? Um, because the woman outside, whenever they find out the first guy died, talks about going to the same church as them. Mm. And so they know that they're a religious family. 
not catch How that ever. Yeah. That also increases the likelihood that there's already a priest <laughs> in the house. So they got lucky there. Yep. <laughs> it's that cool. Winchester luck. Yeah. Um, so in this scene, we get introduced to the entire Miller family that's still alive. And right at the door, you get introduced to someone. And it just kind of makes you wonder for a second, maybe... Hey, who is that? That's right, it's our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guest stars in this week's episode of Supernatural. So let's start with uh, definitely not Carrie, Max Miller. (laughs) Played by Brendan Fletcher. Hey! Hey. Who is that? (laughs) So some of you out there might recognize Brendan from the 1996 two-parter of Goosebumps, The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. Maybe as playing the bully Larry Willingham in Airbud. Possibly from playing Parasite on Smallville. Or maybe more recently as Oliver's prison buddy, Stanley Dover, on the TV show Arrow. I recognize him from that. I figured. Now let's get to the one that we really came here to talk about Alice Miller. Yes, I know who that is. Played by the <laughs> lovely Beth Broderick. Hey. It's Aunt Zelda. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart's aunt of six years on the hit TV show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She did a bunch of other stuff, but that's where you know her from. We watched Sabrina like the entire time it was on, like every week religiously. I don't remember anything about the show. I just recognize the actors when they come up. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on. Hey, who is that? I really liked the laser device that um, Dean had during this uh, visit to the house. <laughs> um. Oh shoot! What they call it? His infrared thermal scanner. Have we had that before? Nope. And you'll okay. never see it again. Uh, it was so cool. Uh, yeah, it is a pretty cool prop. I don't know, like, what the point of the lasers are. But you definitely get what they're going for, infrared thermal scanner. He's just scanning around for cold spots that a ghost would make. I get it. It's a good prop. Did that device come out of his pocket of holding? So, a different pocket of holding because it was in his priest jacket. Uh, that's true. But, but it's yes. still the same position. <laughs> he has and everything. A, it's the clearest yeah, shot. It's another pocket of holding. They have good tailors. Bruce, you did it again. I did it again. A correct prediction. <laughs> what was it? Bruce, it was a while ago. It might have been like Bloody Mary episode whenever we first learned about Sam's secret dreams. Um, Bruce predicted that Sam will end up having these secret dreams while he is awake. Oh, wow. I was so excited when I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. Nice job, Bruce. Yeah. Was that two that have come true now? I think so. I think we've been very uh, nice to me sometimes, too, with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you did good, bud. <laughs> I also forget about half the things you say, so when they don't come to fruition, just I, I don't give you a hard time because I don't remember. <laughs> um, so in this secret, are we still calling them secret dreams while they're awake? Or? Oh, they're still secret dreams. They're okay. secret daydreams. Secret daydreams. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this secret daydream, um, we see Roger 
trying to fix a window by laying underneath of it. <laughs> Have you guys ever taken that approach to try to fix a window? I mean, <laughs> no, I also, I did think like I would do the same thing. Not necessarily like straight up laying on my back like that. But if I was like, hey, what's going on with this window? I don't see anything on the inside. Let me peek my head out. Like it was, it was pretty relatable. I'd probably do that. I guess. But the window makes causes him to be decapitated, which was, oh. I'm, in my head, I was like, okay, it's going to come down on him. We're going to have this like drawn out scene where he's, uh, you know, he's gasping for air. And, uh, you know, they they try to come and save him. Nope. Oh, no. Just decapitated. Yep. <laughs> This was, for setup and payoff, this was almost as good as the plumber episode, or the, the plumber scene. Um, where it's like, you know this window is going to come down on this man. And uh, they, it was a full scene of dragging it out, and then they, it finally does it. Like, you're like, at the same time, you're like, yes, but also, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I still definitely prefer the, the uh, plumber incident. But this one was also pretty good. It's a good death. Um, so whenever Sam comes out of it, he's obviously freaking out because this never happened to him before. And we get another glimpse of Dean just being clearly freaked out by what's going on with Sam. I mean, I hope we see this continue of Dean continuing to be scared and freaked out by what's going on with Sam and trying to process it in his own way while also kind of hiding it from Sam to try to keep Sam safe. Yeah, it's a nice dynamic to see them. Like, if we had um, Sam freaking out, and then we had Dean as well, like, outwardly freaking out about it, it would definitely be awkward. And then the same as, like, if Dean was like, nah, it's fine, man. Just don't don't worry about it. Um, maybe we definitely wouldn't have the same tension as well. So it's nice to see Dean, like, pre- have to try to pretend that he's uh, not concerned um, because that, like... He- he is concerned and that humanizes him, him a little bit. I think Sam's line of thinking is interesting. I don't remember at what point he said this, but I wrote down the quote. He says, why would I even have these premonitions unless there was a chance I could stop them from happening? That doesn't make sense to me of like, this is an unexplainable phenomenon. You could be seeing what is happening no matter what. And like to just assume like, oh, I'm seeing this in order to stop it is such a weird line of thinking to me. Greg, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> also, someone's definitely setting this up. So we know that already. <laughs> so obviously there's a reason this is happening. I'm glad we made it. What, 14 episodes before you busted out that quote? Thank you. <laughs> I think that Sam watched too many episodes of early edition. Oh, man. So good. And... He is having a little bit of a Kyle Chandler complex and thinks that he can save everyone because he can see a little bit ahead. I need to go watch the show now. Should we do an early edition podcast? (laughs) We really should. (laughs) So good. Nobody knows about it anymore. (laughs) So with that line of thinking, though, Sam thinks like, oh, I'm seeing these things. I have a chance to stop them. They they catch up to Roger, um, but he has... He wants nothing to do with them. He shuts them out. And if Sam wants to stop this, which he did not succeed, 
I, I think they should have had more drastic measures of like, you know, the scenario involves him in his apartment alone. Ta- tackle him, like do something. Like even if you start a fight and get arrested, like you at least prevented him from getting to the apartment. But they decided to do it more discreetly and the man died. I mean, I think they tried the dis- discreet route for Roger's sake and then they got locked out pretty quickly, right? It's not like they lingered with him outside the building. They didn't linger. No, no, no. And 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 when they were shut out, they immediately sprang to action in another way. I just think they own guns, you know, like shoot the door. <laughs> Start <laughs> shooting. Pull out a gun on Robert. Do something. Is it possible you think that um, even Sam and Dean probably aren't 100% convinced that they're seeing the future yet? Like, this has only happened a couple times. Like, to so pull out your gun and start shooting through windows. <laughs> do they have enough evidence that this is truly what's happening yet? Well, I think Sam just wouldn't be that kind of person. And I think you're right. Dean doesn't believe in it enough yet. Because we find out again in this episode that Dean is willing to kill a human being. <laughs> oh, man. This yeah. is twice now that Sam has had to talk him out of just straight up killing a person. <laughs> so yeah i think i think dean is sh- shoot through a window type for sure when they go up on the uh the fire escape and the there was a really weird moment where dean pulls out handkerchiefs and tells him to start wiping down all of his fingerprints yeah yeah but then proceeds to go inside and <laughs> like i don't it was just a very odd scene it didn't it felt a little bit like i don't know I felt like there should have been more to it because like, number one, I was like, that's a lot of fingerprints to just like wipe down with hope with in, even if a handkerchief is enough to wipe off fingerprints. I don't, I don't know. I've never broken in somewhere, so I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) I mean, it should be enough to smear them because fingerprints are just oils, right? I'm an expert and it is oil left behind by your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So a handkerchief would be enough to clean up after yourself and. I think that was real smart thinking of Dean to make sure they're starting to wipe down as a convicted murderer. And I, I'm not saying anything against it. But it just it it feels like we've seen a lot of murders at this point, and we haven't really touched on covering our tracks a whole lot. I don't know. It's something different, and I just felt a little <laughs> little odd to me. Whenever they're discussing whether or not the family might be cursed, Sam thinks that maybe that's what's linking him to the family is the fact that both their families are cursed and. Dean says, our family's not cursed. We've just had our dark spots. <laughs> Ever the optimist, this Dean. <laughs> right? And just like Sam said, it's, it's pretty dark. You're dark. Oh. <laughs> I love that part so much. That comeback. <laughs> he just always has to have the last word. Um, so when they were uh, debating what it could be, they brought up two possibilities. They said it might be an an Angia or a Banshee. A Banshee is a female death omen spirit that manifests to herald approaching death with wailing. The Banshee of legend is a disembodied soul, either of someone who in life was strongly attached to the family or who hated all its members. So if she loves them, then the wail is soft, tender, and soothing, um, intended to give notice of one's death. But if the Banshee during her life was an enemy of the family, the wail is more like the scream of a 
fiendish ghost, a demonic howling of delight over the coming fatal agony of one of her foes. And, real quick, the Angia. According to Eskimo lore, an Angia is a child of the living dead. Eskimo often had to give up their newborn children during harsh times and would do so by abandoning them in the snow. Unless the Eskimo tribe moved to a new land, it was believed that the ghosts of the babies would come back to haunt them. An Angia is said to gain strength upon each visit to the tribe until it is powerful enough to seek revenge on the elders. Yeah, I thought it was weird that uh, they had a, a theory about Eskimo-specific lore, but towards the end, it did sound like... So based off of that description of the Angia, there's like no way it would have been related to this, right? Right. Definitely. Okay. Or the Banshee, either. I mean, the Banshee, maybe, but I, I guess with Sam's visions, he should have heard a shriek or something. Yeah. Or, at least from what I read, like it, it sounded like the Banshee just calls out when something's going to happen. It didn't make things happen. So, yeah, I don't know. So Sam has a final secret dream about Aunt Zelda being killed by Max with a knife to the eye. Oof. My goodness. <laughs> so when that knife is like flying around a little bit, you know, it, it doesn't look great. These are 14 year old effects. It's okay. Um, but the shot of when you see her eye from the side with the knife in front of it and it pierces yeah. the tear and makes it run down her face. That was a good one. I didn't catch the tear. I think I was, I was just so like anything with the eyes really <laughs> mess with me. So just having the knife by the eye was really freaking me out. Um, apparently Sarah Gamble wanted to actually show the knife going through the eye slowly. So, <laughs> and kind of the way that like TV is always written with very made with like over the top scenes so that you can end up keeping some of the stuff that would have gotten removed otherwise. Um, but the director didn't even want to start there. He was very in favor of not showing the knife through the eye. I don't know but, how you could have done that without making it like R rated. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good compromise, I think, because part of what makes that so good is just the, the tension of seeing the knife so close to her eye. And like at that point, you still don't know will he, won't he, and, and, yeah, you didn't need to watch the eye penetrate. The The quick shot they did at the end was just enough. Like You still get that jolt of like, oh. Yeah, my only issue with that shot was um, normally the show does a really good job with like practical blood effects. But I don't, it seemed like they had to add some post-production blood with CGI into um, blood squirting out the front of her mm. face whenever the knife went through. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I don't know, something just looked a little off with that shot i mean you you definitely expect it to go the other way if there's a projectile going through your face (laughs) and when you see like the blood through the back of her head man let's just make this as graphic as we can huh (laughs) Um, when you see the blood running down the back of her head (laughs) um that definitely looks more practical so i guess someone just decided they needed a little bit more (laughs) more blood yeah so that secret dream confirmed that it was indeed Max. By this time, you would think that 
I would have caught on to the fact that these are the premonitions and not actually happening. <laughs> but I even Every the, time. Ne- the, ne- the <laughs> even the next one with Dean, I I I was like, wait, what? oh, like I don't know, I couldn't follow it. Um, but it was good. It was good because like it's not like I don't know where we are. It was like, oh my god, that's right. He sees you know secret <laughs> dreams. Um, so it was just it was I was really enjoying that. Yeah, so they figure out that it is actually Max, and he has some type of telekinesis abilities. And um, Dean makes a reference to bending spoons. It's 2020, and all I can think of is Pokemon and uh, Abra. So, <laughs> yeah, I, get that. I don't know <laughs> Pokemon. I get that. <laughs> this week for lore, we're focusing on telekinesis, according to. The official supernatural definition, telekinesis, more commonly known as psychokinesis, literally translates to distant movement. Uh, It is the ability to mentally influence an object's movement or behavior. Dean brought up spoon bending multiple times in this episode. Bending spoons is a common magic trick, but in the 1970s, Yuri Geller claimed to be able to bend spoons for real. In 1971, he was certified as a genuine psychic by a parapsychiatrist. This parapsychiatrist claims Geller teleported his dog through walls of his house. Under hypnosis, Geller claimed to be sent by extraterrestrials from 50,000 light years away. This is presumably why he has such supernatural abilities. In 1973, the Defense Intelligence Agency commissioned a study on Yuri Geller at the Stanford Research Institute, in which Yuri would attempt to recreate drawings selected in another room. The results? Geller had, quote, demonstrated his paranormal perceptual ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner. In 1992, Geller was asked to investigate a kidnapping. He predicted the victim would be found alive. She was never seen again. This is because Yuri Geller is a fraud who bends spoons the old-fashioned way with his hands. Every paranormal act Yuri Geller has ever pulled has been recreated by skeptics, and the testing at the Stanford Research Institute had a peephole that was not properly covered up. I'm really excited that, like, Psych the Show is basically real. (laughs) What I didn't realize is that Yuri Geller is still alive and going. Um, still does it. <laughs> so apparently last year he wrote a letter to Theresa May, the British prime minister, <laughs> and told her that he was going to telepathically stop her from letting Brexit happen. It didn't it work. work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I forget. There's a famous skeptic who I should look up his name. Um, he has a, a million dollar bet, like anyone who can do any paranormal act that cannot be disproven, he will give them a million dollars. And it has never happened. James Randi is the name of the magician who is famous uh-huh. for kind of debunking Yuri Geller. Um, so I'll put a link to um, one of those videos of James Randi in the show notes so you guys can see all that. You mentioned earlier that Dean was so ready to kill another human again. 
this was an interesting dilemma all the way up until it was just, oh, that solved itself. The idea of stopping, not stopping, killing a person before they kill again. You know they're going to kill again. Um, where there's clearly an issue morally of whether or not to do that. And it it's an interesting issue that just kind of gets wrapped up in a bow by them not having to do so. It's like the, the Batman killing Joker thing for sure. It's mm. like, because how do you control this telepath? I guess like he, he, uh, how do we stop him from continuing to do bad things? Yeah. I think there's probably what, two ways this episode can end one where Max is Sam and Dean's new companion. Who's trying to hunt down this demon. And then you have to somehow justify in your head that they're traveling with a murderer <laughs> or where, Max dies and we knew it couldn't be Sam or Dean killing him so you just kind of end up at the end we got yeah, yeah. which I agree is it feels very convenient but I I think it's the best way it could have ended probably he was an interesting villain monster I don't know what I call him he was an interesting villain in this episode um, because so he's beaten as a kid his mom does nothing. Um, obviously, the dad. You're like, <laughs> listen. He's been with her forever. I'm sure he called her mom by listen, eventually. <laughs> it matters because of what happened to his actual mother. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> oh, um, but he kills his dad, who was beating him, um, and then he kills his uncle, who was also part of the you know physical abuse. And at that point. I think, like, obviously it's not okay, but he's definitely, like, he has some sort of, like, like, I understand where it came from. You sort of feel bad for him a little bit, and you're like, is that really that bad? But this, So I think stepmom had to be in this mm. to make him, to make it be okay that he died in the end. I, You, you know what I mean? Because if he was just killing dad and then killing his uncle, and then he killed himself because he was, you know, he couldn't stop himself, like, you're like, that was just a guy who was having a rough time, but because he went that extra mile and um, attempted to kill his mom, who honestly was probably terrified at the time. Also, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, it, it allowed him to cross that line. You're like, okay, he dies in the end because he's truly evil. I think, um, yeah, like you're saying, it's very similar to the bloody Mary episode where at first it seems like, Bloody Mary is killing people who murdered other people. Um, but then it turned into a mo- more nuanced of like the the one girl, Charlie. How do I remember these older names? Uh, <laughs> this one girl, Charlie, whose boyfriend committed suicide. It wasn't her fault, but Mary was still coming after her. Is I brought all that up to say it's a similar scenario where you have that element brought in to make sure it's understood like this is bad it should not continue the the stepmother dying would definitely be bad you can argue about the dad and the uncle but the stepmom just from inaction doesn't deserve to die um so it's i like that that it was brought in to to make sure it was very clearly the bad guy so sam gets the chance to have a sit down one-on-one with max and during the sit down we get what might be two of my favorite things in this episode 
first off, the spinning letter opener effect. I just love that it just kept going throughout the whole scene. And <laughs> did, like, did it keep going? Because oh, it kept going. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. it in the beginning. It's like it focuses on it, but I definitely didn't watch it the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I, <was. laughs> I like that it focused on it, and then just while they're chatting, that thing's just still spinning. And I think it's like it's almost like a manifestation of Max's rage. Where no matter what they're talking about, it's still like burning inside of him this urge to just kill. He's a sharpened object. Yeah, um, and the effect itself looked very practical. It wasn't gross CGI or anything, so I really like that part. And there's this other really subtle thing that happens with the music during this scene. So whenever Max is talking about what happened to his mother, and Sam is realizing that that's the exact same thing that happened to his own mother. Um, the music starts to change into this like clangy dissonant piano. And that is to mirror the same music motif that happened during the pilot. Whenever Mary um, woke up and went to go check on Sam. So that was done with the intention of bringing back this motif of this demon and tying it all together with this music behind it. And it'll be interesting to see if going forward, if we have any other interactions with this demon that killed their mother, if that music motif continues with it. It's pretty cool. I didn't even notice the music. So Bruce, how'd, what did you think about the fact this demon's killing other people that aren't Winchesters or associated with Winchesters? I have it in my head so much that there's somebody controlling all of this that um, I, I just think it's part of the plan. I think, you know, he, for some reason, Sam had to go to that house um, and get that same, he, ne- he needed to connect with that person to get him to that house to learn of his also uh, telekinetic abilities that we are revealed, oh, which yeah. is pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. There's interesting moral discussion that happens other than the killing part. Um, I wa- I listened to a interview of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Um, in it, he talks about the fact that since he was a convicted felon, um, he wasn't able to carry a gun with him. Um, so the first thing he did when he would go into a uh, an area or whatever, he would have to use de-escalation techniques first. So, like He would have to talk to them. He would have to do things without becoming violent instantly. Like it was almost like an automatic thing that he had to do because he wasn't able to have that gun um, to kind of back him up. And obviously there's like a whole bunch going on where like um, this is relevant, but I th- there's kind of like a moral question right now where because Dean brought that gun, do you think the same outcome would have happened if he didn't have that gun? So that's a very good point. I just think that's interesting. I don't know the answer, obviously, but it, I think that was an interesting, you know, it could have gone a completely different direction if that gun wasn't uh, brought in. And obviously, you know, people could have still died, but um, just an interesting thing that I was thinking of during this. Yeah. And I think it goes further to reflect the differences between Sam and Dean and what even just their short, their backgrounds in the past couple of years have been. Like, Dean has been essentially isolated with their father and going around killing monsters while Sam's been able to interact and experience other people. So you definitely get a sense that because of Sam's experience, he values human life more. And then Dean, who hasn't had that opportunity to really get to know people, puts less less of a value on human life if he thinks he can trade one life for another. 
so Bruce, you already touched on it a little bit, but we get the secret daydream of what seems like the real scene playing out upstairs where Dean's trying to stop Max from killing his stepmom. And we get the effect of Dean shot in the head. What a great <laughs> effect. <laughs> My goodness. How many times has Dean died now? Are we on? Is this the second time that we've seen on screen that has died? Well, he's, he's had his heart stopped. Right. Or, or well, right. heart affected and was going to die. So that's one. When else and did then, we see him die? Did he? Did he? I can't remember. Because he fake died in uh, the clo- <laughs> in the uh, shapeshifter. The oh, shapeshifter died as yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just excited to see how many times we see Dean. Like, <laughs> oh, there he goes. But it's not going to really happen. <laughs> I knew this was another secret dream. And it still, it still got me because it was just that effect of like, it's realistic. Like, gun going off. It's just, bam, it's done. Like, and even though I knew it was a, a, a dream i was like oh my god it, it had a good effect i really love they went the extra mile with it of like you see the gun go off you see the blood splatter on the wall you know it was dean that got shot but then <laughs> they take it the next step and show you dean's body on the floor with the hole in the head just because oh, they could and <laughs> it was awesome uh, but that's when sam shows off his telekinesis like you talked about and Bruce, what did you think about this, this development of Sam's abilities beyond just the secret dreams? It's definitely something I was not ready for, um, but it was a really cool scene. I really liked the, like, my brother is going to die if I don't do something. And like you said before, um, with the uncle um, dying, it was almost like that. It was almost his version of shooting through the door. You know, it was his final, like, I have to do this or he's going to die. So that was just a really cool scene. Um, I don't know. What else are we going to get? I'm excited for that. Let's be honest. (laughs) I want him to fly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing I really liked about it is I think they they say in the episode that Sam clear abilities clearly hasn't developed as much as Max's. And like this was Sam's most extreme emotional outburst that caused this telekinesis. And all it did was move that cabinet like four feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's clearly showing that he's nowhere near as strong as Max is. So even if like this somehow developed into a telekinetic fight, I mean, we know who would have won. It would have been Max, <laughs> and everyone would be dead. And everyone would be dead. <laughs> yeah, cause I thought that was kind of where they were going with it. After after he pushed the thing away, burst in the room. I thought it was going to be a telekinetic fight, but you make a good point. That would not work out very well. Nope. He's so cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> so Max ends up killing himself, and we get our nice clean resolution for the boys. And the cops come to talk to Aunt Zelda, and damn, she's a good liar. Mm, right on the spot. Yeah, she sells that really well. I can't remember what happened. Why do you think she didn't tell them what actually happened? I, we've seen it before, the any time the cops get involved towards the end of the episode. Like. I mean, yeah, like, what? so what's she going to say? My stepson came in, used his mind to almost stab me with a knife? <laughs> I don't know. There's so many supernatural things that happen in this country. I think at, at a certain point, we <laughs> this has to get out to the public. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was just curious. Sam and Dean are outside. And talking about how they're lucky that they had dad because we just got a clear example of 
how their mom dying could have played out very differently. This could have been harped on like the entire episode, this comparing their dad to what Max experienced. And uh, I'm really glad we got to see it this way. Like, I think it was important to touch on um, kind of the parallels between their story and Max's story. But I'm glad we didn't harp on it for 40 minutes. It felt like a version of the Bugs dad, but like done correctly. Yes, yes. that's a good point. Yeah. So, like it was it was subtle enough that you got the lesson, but it did, wasn't overdriven and like awkward about it. And at, at one point in the show, I was afraid that I was afraid that Sam and Max were going to relate about their dads. And it's like, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, there's that moment where uh, I think Max says, do you know what it's like to look in your dad's eyes and to see that he hates you i was i couldn't remember how this conversation went so i was really nervous for a second that sam was gonna say yes and especially with that hesitation (laughs) before but i was so happy when he ended up saying no because he he doesn't but their dad loves him and he knows that the show's winding down and dean is giving sam a hard time about his newfound telekinesis abilities and once again shows him a spoon to bend and he's I can't turn it on like that and he Sam mentions that he he got caught up in the moment to do so I really thought Dean was going to throw the spoon at him <laughs> I think it would have been really funny even like to not have him be able to do it like to just be hit with the spoon <laughs> but instead of that he ends up getting real serious and saying he knows where they need to go Vegas. Vegas. I love that. For a second, you get that feeling that you're being set up for the next episode. No, nah, it's just <laughs> Dean, Dean deflecting because he's scared. It was really good, too, because uh, the way he sells that joke, I was seriously considering for a second, like, what's in Vegas? Who's in Vegas? And then I was, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> he just wants to go. Before that, I believe Dean tells Sam that nothing bad is going to happen. Am I correct on that one? Yeah, yeah. He says that the difference between Sam and Max is that Sam has Dean and nothing bad will happen as long as Dean's around. As soon as he says that, that means that absolutely something bad is going to happen. So (laughs) (laughs) I give this episode eight floating knives out of ten. Pretty good overall. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the relationship between Max and Sam. Um or or like yeah, the relationship between their families, how their mother died the same way. Uh, you wonder what's going on there. They're both developing psychic abilities. It's really driving the plot forward, and I'm excited for it. Um, it got docked a few points, mostly for... It's happened before, and I can't remember what it was, but the show sets up a moral issue and then just kind of sidesteps it, and it's more or less a cop-out, um, where... On the one hand, I, I could forgive it because you you want to just close it out for the week and, and not have it be a huge issue. If if Dean had popped Max in the head and they ran off and that was a subplot throughout the series, that would be an issue and I get that. But it's I really get excited when uh, something becomes a, a question of what to do um, and then I'm a little bit let down when, oh, well, we don't have to solve that right now because it solved itself a little bit but other than that it was a great episode all around 
Eight out of ten. Floating nines. I gave this nine out of ten telekinetics. Um, <laughs> Just like the people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought the overall story was fantastic. I really enjoyed that we were finally seeing um, what Sam's secret dreams were able to do. Um, the pacing was wonderful. I never really felt like it was ever kind of like bogged down. Even the dialogue was really uh, energetic. Like you said, the music kind of kept it um, really engaging. The the villain, um, I loved Max. I loved the, you feel bad for him, but ultimately he's crazy and he's going to kill his stepmom. And is he going to stop there? Um, and we found a new way to defeat things. Um, we just talked to them. Um, we didn't have to get out our salt guns. We didn't have to get out our, we didn't have to burn any bones. We just tried to talk to people. And I just really enjoyed that. Uh, obviously it didn't work in this one, but um, just a, a different a- avenue to defeating our, uh, our villains. So uh, nine out of 10 telekinetics. I'm going to split the difference here and go with the eight and a half. We got our, I believe first full, like, mythology of the show episode we took everything we've learned about the winchester story so far and created an episode from it we got to explore another person with abilities related to sam we got to find out more about this demon that he's going after other families and um i think we're finally getting to a point where the show is converting from a story about urban legends that happens to be about two brothers and getting into more of this story about the Winchester family and their story, as opposed to focusing on the urban legends. The only thing that I really have to knock about this episode, uh, I didn't love Max. I don't know if it was the actor or the way the part was written or something, but um, something was just preventing me from connecting with him. And Otherwise, it would have been a nine for me, but I think there could have just been something and I couldn't tell you what I needed from that character or the part, but I don't know. I just felt like something was missing for me. Um, And it may have been the fact that they really didn't make a carry reference at all in the whole episode, which is a little (laughs) bit crazy, but that's the only thing holding me back from a nine, um, eight and a half floating nines out of ten. Hey, Greg. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Next week on Supernatural, we're watching season one, episode 15. The Benders. Sam and Dean head to Minnesota, where a young boy witnesses a man vanishing into thin air. So, I called it, I called it, I called it, we got the daydreams, I was so excited when I got it. We're definitely going to keep continuing to develop uh, those dreams. Um, I'm excited because I'm pretty sure we're going to use those to find Dad. Um, So, one time we're going to either see Dad in danger, or we're going to see where dad is and he's going to use those to go find him and uh i hope that's going to happen um i i was kind of wondering whether dean knows what's going on and that's why he's afraid and not telling him um so i'm 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 predicting that dean maybe knows a little bit more than he's leading on um he's not just uh a little bit afraid he's he he knows what it could be he knows what's going on because we do have this demon that is definitely um controlling all of the uh, different mechanics of this story and uh so i'm excited to see what happens 
with Sam's abilities, we've now added telekinesis. Do you think we're going to add something else to it? Or do you think we're done with uh, Secret Dreams and telekinesis? Do you have a fun name for telekinesis? Or are we just going with telekinesis? (laughs) (laughs) Mind throwing powers? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) If we don't add one more power, I'm going to be upset. Um, Because adding this one is kind of like, oh, there's more, but to stop there would be disappointing. So, like I said, I, I want him to be Superman by the end of the season. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, his powers are going to be definitely canceled out by the next season, because yeah. if we make him too, make him too powerful, um, this this series goes nowhere. So, in the next seven episodes, do you think we're going to watch Sam get powered up and also powered down? Yes. All right. Cool, it's cool, going to cool. be an abrupt power down right at the end. Something's going to happen where he loses everything. He okay. can no longer do what he needs to do. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at naturalfriendspodcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for your continued support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, Natural Friends. Oh, friends. I just wanted to comment that 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 was one of the few uh, ratings rounds we've had where we didn't have something to argue about. We all just said our piece and we're good. Um, Do you guys want to argue? Um, We got nothing to argue about. (laughs) Wait, Greg, Greg, hold on. What did you say bad about the episode? Uh, Um, Setting up an ethical dilemma and then bypassing it. Oh, yeah. Get the f*** over it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) 